G'day and welcome to Ad Nauseam Podcast. I'm Kieran. Today we'll talk about airway procedures. We've already talked about intubation spills separately, so today we'll talk about cricothyroidotomy and tracheostomy emergencies. I need to acknowledge or credit the work of the emergency procedures team that originated through the New South Wales Agency for Clinical Innovation. You can look at their app on their website or also on your smart device. Needle cricothyroidotomy. Indication, inability to oxygenate and ventilate by other means, a bag valve mask, alamayo or endotracheal tube, and age under 10 years. Contraindications, tracheal rupture or transection and laryngeal fracture. Alternatives, surgical cricothyroidotomy and tracheostomy. Uh, consent's not required, obviously, because it's a life threat. Potential complications, coughing, failure, whether it be incorrect position, blockage or kink or dislodgement, neurovascular, esophageal and laryngeal injury, bleeding with potential aspiration of blood, barotrauma, so pneumothorax with acute lung injury, hypercapnia and infection. In terms of infection control, standard precautions with aseptic non-touch technique, PPE-wise, non-sterile gloves, apron or uh, gown, surgical mask and protective eyewear or face shields required just because of the aerosolization risk of blood. In terms of space and staff, needs to be done in a recess bay, obviously. Need a procedural clinician, an airway uh, clinician, the original airway clinician, and then at least one other assistant, but likely there's going to be a few people around. In terms of equipment or stuff that you'll need, we need two Lulox syringes, one with two to three mils of saline and one that's empty. We need a 16 or 18 gauge non-safety cannula if possible if your hospital stocks these and some oxygen tubing and supply in addition to a three-way stopcock and a tape to secure the needle cricothyroidotomy. For positioning, uh, the patient should be supine with the neck extended an assistant should maintain the head position in the midline. We want the procedural clinician lateral to the patient. You've got to figure out what works best for you, but the procedure described here is the dominant hand towards the patient's head, so being on the left side if you're right-handed. Medication-wise, you can use lignocaine, so 1% lignocaine with adrenaline, but keep in mind not to use it in a time-critical emergency, only if you've planned ahead. Starting the procedure, firstly brief your team and allocate roles, then state that you're performing the needle cricothyroidotomy now. Identify the cricothyroid membrane and keep in mind in, in children the laryngeal prominence, the thyroid cartilage is not well developed so you'll need to palpate the trachea above the suprasternal sternal notch and move superiorly until the prominence of the cricoid cartilage is felt. The needle should be placed just above the cricoid cartilage in the midline. Connect a 5ml syringe with 2ml of water to the non-safety cannula. Stabilise the larynx with the thumb and middle finger of the non-dominant hand using a laryngeal handshake. Palpate the cricothyroid membrane with the index finger and insert the cannula into the cricothyroid membrane quarterly at 30 to 45 degrees from the skin with the dominant hand. Advance the cannula applying negative pressure to the syringe until bubbles appear confirming intratracheal placement. Anchor the needle and advance the cannula over the needle until uh, the hub rests on the skin. Remove the needle in the syringe and connect the second 5ml syringe to the cannula and aspirate tracheal air to 5ml uh, to reconfirm the position. 
and perform jet insufflation at this point, and I'll detail that in a second. Allocate an assistant to hold the cannula hub at the skin until a definitive airway is placed and secure the cannula hub at the skin with tape after first inflation, after the first inflation, and then you can place a nasopharyngeal and oropharyngeal airway to aid exhalation. For the jet insufflation process, so the allocated assistant continues to hold the cannula at the hub uh, at skin. After aspiration of five mils of tracheal air with the syringe, remove the, remove the plunger from the syringe, that, that second syringe. Turn oxygen attached to uh, oxygen tubing at one litre per minute per year of age up to 10 litres per minute. Place the oxygen tubely, tubing deeply into the secured syringe without the plunger uh, as the syringe helps transfer the pressure to the cannula. Inflate for two to four seconds and watch the chest rise and then remove the oxygen tubing from the syringe and repeat this process. Observe for 20 seconds, noting improvement in saturations and further inflation of two seconds when saturations fall 5% from the maximum reach. There is an alternate way that I've seen described, which is connecting a three-way stopcock to the IVC hub, the male, male port of the, uh, of the stopcock. Secure a 5mm syringe to the three-way stopcock, making a straight line, and then the right-angled port is free, and rotate the taps so all ports, all three ports are open. And then use intermittent occlusion of the side port of the three-way stopcock uh, stop for ventilation. If there's failure to aspirate air on insertion, repeat insertions progressing laterally and alternating side-to-side until you have five punctures. If that fails, then a vertical cut down through the skin followed by blunt finger dissection to the larynx or trachea followed by a needle puncture uh, directly through the cricothyroid membrane. For post-procedure care, obviously definitive airway is number one priority with anaesthetics and ear, nose and throat uh, surgeons to urgently uh, perform that. A dedicated team member continues to hold the cannula at the hub until a definitive airway is placed provide ongoing sedation and paralysis, obviously, and monitor for barotrauma and pneumothorax and, and failure of the needle, cricothyroidotomy, so blocking or kinking or dislodgement, and document, of course, after the definitive airway is placed uh, in terms of completion and complications. Some tips. Avoid safety cannulas that can't be connected to a syringe, but they may be the only ones available in your emergency department. If the cricothyroid anatomy is uncertain or injured, aim for a palpable tracheal rings with the identical t- technique, so a bit more caudal. Wall oxygen can easily cause barotrauma, so avoid prolonged in- inflation. And jet insufflation may be possible for hours despite hypercarbia, unless there's total airway obstruction, upper airway obstruction, making expiration difficult. Incomplete upper airway obstruction, I to E ratios are greater than one to, or greater than one is to eight or greater, always hard to describe that, I to E ratios of one to eight or greater are required to reduce risk of barotrauma. An ultrasound may be used preparing to intubate a difficult airway, but you can listen to the MRAP podcast on a study about that. Surgical cricothyroidotomy. Indication is inability to oxygenate and ventilate by other means, a bag valve mask, LMA or ETT, and the patient's greater than or equal to 10 years old. 
contraindications, tracheal rupture or transection and laryngeal fracture, alternatives being the needle version of cricothyroidotomy insufflation or a tracheostomy. Consent's not required. Potential complications like the needle uh, cricothyroidotomy failure, so unable to identify anatomy or false passage, uh, neurovascular esophageal or laryngeal injury, coughing, bleeding with uh, potential aspiration and, of course, infection. Infection control is standard precautions and PPE, non-sterile gloves with apron or gown, surgical mask and protective eyewear or face shield given the aerosolized blood risk. For staff and space, a procedural clinician with the original airway clinician with at least one nurse, but there's usually going to be many people around and you'll need to be in a resus bay to make this all happen safely. In terms of equipment and stuff, we need a scalpel, a bougie, size 6 ETT with lubricant, a 10 mil syringe, suture, some gauze, tape for the ETT and a hard cervical spine collar. For positioning, the patient should be supine with the neck extended and an assistant maintains the head position in midline. Uh, the procedural clinician uh, should be lateral to the patient. And again, the this is described differently, but uh, this the emergency procedures app uh, details a dominant hand towards the patient's head, so the patient's left side if right-handed, but certainly I've also been taught the other way around. In terms of medications, you can use lignocaine 1% with adrenaline if you've planned in advance, but not in a time-critical emergency. For the procedure... Brief your team and allocate roles and then state, I'm performing a surgical airway now. Remove a pillow if there is one and behind the patient's head and direct the assistant to support head and extend the neck in the midline. Direct additional assistant to attempt ventilation with a laryngeal mask airway whilst you're doing the procedure. Identify the cricothyroid membrane. Stabilise the larynx with the thumb and middle finger of the non-dominant hand in a laryngeal handshake. Palpate the cricothyroid membrane with the index finger. Make a 15mm transverse incision with the dominant hand through the cricothyroid membrane and skin as well. Remove the scalpel and place the little finger into the trachea, palpating the posterior wall. Insert a bougie under the pulp of the inserted finger. Advance the bougie approximately 15cm quarterly down into the trachea uh, with an early hold-up indicating a false passage. Railroad a lubricated size 6 tube over the bougie with rotation uh, uh, on insertion until the cuff is just inside the trachea. Remove the bougie, inflate the cuff and confirm position with the end-tidal CO2 trace on ventilation. Secure the tube with tape and allocate an assistant to hold the ETT until a definitive airway is placed. Consider a suture placed close to the skin incision, wrapped tightly around the endotracheal tube and tied securely with a, a condensed Roman sandal, similar to an a, a ICC for your um, large bore ICCs. Consider placing a hard cervical spine collar to maintain neck position and use a pressure to control bleeding after you've secured the tube because there will be bleeding from the skin and subcutaneous tissue of the neck. An alternate to step seven, which was the transverse incision, is to make a six to eight centimetre vertical incision through the skin down to the subcutaneous tissue, expecting a bloody field, utilising gauze here, and bluntly dissect down to the larynx with fingers spreading tissue apart and re-identifying the cricothyroid membrane. 
if you're unable to palpate the cricothyroid membrane, which is in step four, make an eight centimeter uh, midline vertical incision, starting with two finger widths above the sternal notch. Again, blunt dissection with fingers of both hands until the larynx or trachea is palpated, noting there will be blood obscuring vision. A laryngeal handshake, a handshake at this point when structures are identified, and then a transverse incision as above, or, uh, either in the trachea or a cricothyroid membrane. For post procedure care, obviously a definitive airway is the first priority with anaesthetics or ENT. A dedicated team member continues to hold the ETT until the definitive airway is placed. Needs sedation and paralysis, a chest x ray to confirm placement and documentation after the definitive airway is placed. Tips. The most difficult decision, of course, is that to proceed with the surgical airway. It's a high-risk procedure for aerosolized spray of blood and sharps, uh, aerosolized spray of blood and also for sharps injury. The passage of the bougie against resistance can create a long false passage with surprising ease. Tracheal rings are not always felt on the bougie with the correct placement. Observe the first test ventilation closely for surgical emphysema, suggesting false passage, and ultrasound may be used to identify the cricothyroid membrane prior to induction in high-risk patients. Okay, so tracheostomy emergency management. I guess the indications for this would be respiratory distress and or hypoxia in a patient with a tracheostomy or accidental decannulation. Consent, I guess you're wanting to get consent if they're awake, but it's obviously an emergency. Potential complications for tube replacement, a failure, a false passage, a paratracheal or esophageal trauma to the trachea or brachiocephalic trunk, e.g. a fistula, a vocal cord damage, uh, nerves, e.g. recurrent laryngeal and also thyroid uh, tissue damage. Mucosal ulceration due to cuff pressure, sustained cuff pressure, and also infection. For infection control, standard respiratory precautions, so mask, face shield, gown, all required with gloves, sterile gloves. In terms of space and staff, it should be done in a recess area. You're going to need at least two um, medical staff, one doing the procedure, one on airway, a team leader if possible, and and, of course, nursing staff. For equipment, we'll need a nurse call bell as the patient may be unable to call for help verbally. You need some adult airway adjuncts, LMA and bag valve mask, and LMA size 2 to, to hold over the stoma to seal if required. Two tracheostomy tubes to replace block tubes the same size and one smaller, like a Charlie 5 or a Portex 6, 7 or 8. A heat moisture exchange device to replace the blocked HME device on their uh, existing tracheostomy. You want a spare inner cannula to replace the blocked inner cannula. A size 6 ETT if the tracheostomy tubes are unavailable. A bougie, water-soluble uh, lubricating jelly. Suction catheters 10 through 14 French. And larger might be required for thick mucus plugs. A, a yanker sucker for oral suction and some sterile water for cleaning the suction tube and saline for nebulizing. You need a tracheostomy mask, a humidifier bulb and oxygen connector, and a 10ml syringe for deflating and inflating the tracheostomy cuff. 
we need scissors and a stitch cutter for cutting the tracheostomy sutures and a, a tracheal dilating forceps may also help with uh, opening the tract need a dressing pack a tracheostomy dressings and tape and a fiber optic scope if one's available for example the, the single use ambu scopes Positioning is usually that of comfort, often sitting up for the patient. For procedure, firstly we talk about respiratory distress with normal saturations. So apply high flow oxygen to the stoma and face, nebulize 0.9% sodium chloride via the stoma, remove the phonation or humidification cap and inner cannula, clean the inner cannula, suction the stoma with a suction catheter and replace the phonation or humidification humidification cap and in in a cannula and, and assess the success at your um, respiratory distress for respiratory failure we are going to progress through the steps until there's resolution so firstly uh, apply high flow oxygen to the stoma and face remove phonation and humidification cap and in a cannula insert the suction catheter to the stoma uh, through the stoma and assess for patency. Patent if it passes easily through the into deeply into the trachea. Ensure the cuff is deflated, allowing ventilation around the tracheostomy tube uh, displaced against the tracheal wall. Remove the outer cannula. Sutures may need to be cut and non-invasive ventilation, so oral bag valve mask or LMA and stoma oxygen by pediatric face mask or size two LMA over the stoma. Invasive ventilation, inserting a new tracheostomy tube or size 6 ETT over bougie or fiber optic scope if you have that available. Consider intubating via the oral cavity with a deep cuff placement beyond the tracheostomy, uh, but obviously not in laryngectomy patients. A surgical airway below the existing tracheostomy could also be done at this step and see the uh, surgical cricothyroidotomy, which would be really a, a repeat tracheostomy, but the same procedure. For accidental decannulation, we're going to progress through steps until there's resolution. So firstly, apply high-flow oxygen to the stoma and face. Secondly, non-invasive ventilation to both the stoma and mouth. So oxygen, um, a laryngeal mask airway and pediatric LMA to the stoma. Invasive ventilation, so insert a new tracheostomy tube or size 6 ET over bougie or fiber optic scope. Consider intubating via the oral cavity with deep cuff placement beyond the tracheostomy, but not in laryngectomy patients, and a surgical airway below the existing tracheostomy. And again, see that previous procedure. For post-procedure uh, post care, monitor in a recess bay, uh, frequent saline nebulizers to reduce mucus viscosity, urgent inos and throat and anesthetic assessments. If intubated, uh, tie the tube to the skin, with a one finger space between the tie and the neck allowing for venous return. Check the cuff pressure through the pilot cuff and document your procedure, size and type of tracheostomy tube or endotracheal tube placed. You could also consider using the uh, tube holders uh, that are meant for the face. I certainly have seen that before, that they actually work quite well holding the tube in position over the neck. A tip... Expect a leak around an uncuffed tracheostomy tube close to the mouth. Oh, sorry, close the mouth and pinch the nares to, to minimise the leak. 
percutaneous tracheostomies less than 10 days old are impossible to replace the dilated stoma tract tissues recoil and laryngectomy patients have no connection between the mouth and lungs so airway management from the mouth is futile thanks for listening